Well, good morning. Uh, we are in a series at the moment, working through Hebrews, a book of the Bible. And today we're in our third episode. So if you have a Bible, turn it up. Hebrews chapter 3. The words will also appear on the screen. Hebrews is a sermon originally uh, that was probably given to a group of people uh, and then it was written down and also sent out as letters so that it could be heard by a wider audience. It was kind of the ancient equivalent of putting your sermon on the internet. And the author's already told us all sorts of things about Jesus. Um, This is where we've got up to in chapter 3. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling. Fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. An apostle is someone sent with authority, and a high priest um, is someone who gives access to God, a a theme that will be unpacked later in in the book. He, that's Jesus, was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful In all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the Son over God's house. And we are his house, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. I want to talk to you today from this passage about transformation on a different level. Our world desperately needs transformation. Just a quick look at the headlines will tell you that. Coronavirus is is sweeping through different countries, and the worry is what is going to happen with that. Uh, A Thai soldier has gone on a killing spree and killed over 20 people. Um, Even closer to home, in our own city, there's a 17-year-old waking up in hospital this morning because he was stabbed in Bestwood on Tuesday. Or on Friday in the city centre, there was a gathering remembering and raising awareness for a man from Nottingham who struggled with long-term depression. He didn't manage to make it to a meeting. His benefits were cut, and then he starved to death. 55,000 people in our city are waking up with long-term illnesses that they're struggling with, many vulnerable, lonely, isolated. A third of the children in our city are waking up in homes where people looking after them aren't able to work. That means there's children this morning who still haven't eaten because their families just can't afford to feed them. Our world desperately needs transformation. And we are called to bring that transformation. Verse 1, therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling. Now, the heavenly calling is not about having our head in the clouds. It's about having our feet on the ground. 
The preacher to the Hebrews has already told us that Jesus died, rose to life, and then rose to heaven. So the heavenly call is not a call to go to heaven. It's a call that comes from heaven. It's the call of Jesus. And Jesus calls us to transform our world, the groups we're in, the friendships that we're part of. Jesus calls us to build a community of renewed people, to build a renewed Nottingham. And so, if you are a Christian, that is what you are called to. He calls us, in verse 1, holy brothers and sisters. Being a Christian is about being part of a family, with God as our father, Jesus as our elder brother, and we are invited to take part in the family trade of transforming the world. You are called to transform your friendships, your neighborhood, your workplace, your colleagues, your family. But it's hard to keep going, isn't it? It's hard to do that. Many uh, families in this church involved with fostering. That takes an emotional and a financial toll on your family. People in our, our church working hard at standing for truth in the workplace, doing the right thing when people around them are doing the wrong thing, and they're missing out on promotions or being overlooked because they're standing for what's right in a, a structures that oppose that. How do we keep going trying to transform the world around us when it gets tough? Well, the preacher to the Hebrews tells us, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus. Think about Jesus. Look at Jesus. See who Jesus is. See what he's done. And you'll be able to keep going. But then he gives us something specific to think about. Verse 2. Jesus was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus was loyal and reliable. He did the job that God appointed for him. He played the role in transforming the world, in building renewed communities. And he did it well, just like Moses did. Now, for us, it's a bit random that suddenly Moses is coming into the picture. And um, what we've got to re remember is that the original hearers of this were steeped in stories and traditions and generations of ways of living. And for them, Moses was a big deal. I mean, for us, who is he? Moses, guy with a beard from the Old Testament. <laughs> for them, he was a legend. You see... Although the author's already told us Jesus was greater than angels, and we go, okay, well, that's great. And he must, Jesus must be greater than Moses. For the listeners, okay, Jesus might be greater than angels, but what about Moses? Because Moses, whew, he's in a class above the rest. So, let's dig in to who Moses was. Moses, the legend. I mean, you, you maybe get a, a bit of a sense of how the hearers would have thought about Moses. If you take Martin Luther King and his ability to revolutionize a nation to fight for social justice, 
and then add the queen and her dedication to public service, and then add Greta Thunberg and her terrifying commitment for change, you get Moses. That gives you a sense of how the hearers felt about Moses, how they respected him, how Moses was an agent of social transformation and had brought about permanent change that had rippled not just through the years, but through the centuries, even through the millennia. Moses was a hero. So let's dig into who Moses was. Now, you might at first think, okay, where are we going with this? But hang on in there, because if we understand who Moses is, it helps us understand who Jesus is, which is always a good thing. And if we understand who Jesus is, that gives us the fuel to keep going in our calling. So, who was Moses? Well, Moses was the guy who had led the Israelites out of Egypt. They'd been freed from slavery, freed from the tyranny of Pharaoh, and they ended up in the desert. And uh, they were just at the stage of being formed as a new nation. And so God met with them in order to make them this new community. And he showed up at Mount Sinai. And when God shows up, sparks fly. There was clouds, there was lightning, there was darkness, there was thunder. And God spoke the Ten Commandments, the building blocks of what is going to become this new nation of people where there's justice and fairness and goodness. But this is how the people respond in Exodus chapter 20. When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled in fear, which is kind of understandable. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God to speak to us or we will die. The people are so overwhelmed by who God is and the life that he is calling them to live. They say, Moses, please, please you speak to us. God can talk to you and then you can pass the message on to us. Don't let God speak to us directly. We can't handle it. And so that's what happens. Moses becomes God's spokesman, God's prophet, who receives a message from God and passes it on to the people. And the, the majority of the message that Moses received is the law. How this new community of renewed people should live their lives. You can read it in the first five books of the Bible. Lots of stuff. And it covers all areas of life. So it covers compensation and what you should do if your cow escapes and goes and injures someone, what you should do about that. Or it covers how family relationships should be and how husbands and wives should treat people. It covers health and safety. And you should put a fence around the roof of your house to stop people falling off. And it covers how to live guilt-free as the law introduces a sacrificial system and tells you what to do when you feel the, the pollution of wrong on your life. Moses becomes God's prophet who receives God's message and passes it on to the people, who receives the blueprints for a better society 
and shares it with the people so that this nation can live as God wants them to live. Now, the, he, the preacher to the Hebrews has a specific story about Moses in mind when he mentions him. Because he uses the phrase in verse 2, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. And he, without mentioning it, he's referring to a story in Numbers, the fourth book of the Bible. Now, I don't know about you, but Numbers, who reads Numbers, right? I mean, it's called Numbers. Who's going to read a book about Numbers? Except accountants, and that kind of speaks for itself. But it turns out that Numbers is actually full of stories. And there's a particular story in there about Moses. So in Numbers chapter 12, this is what happens. Miriam, who is Moses' older sister, and Aaron, who's his brother, come. Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife, for he had married a Cushite. Okay, so there's a bit of family racism. They're like, we don't like your wife. She's not one of us. But that is not the real issue. When someone complains to you, the content of the complaint might not always be the cause of the complaint. And the real reason comes through. Verse 2. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses, they asked? Hasn't he also spoken through us? And the Lord heard this. So they complained, hang on. Yes, we know, we know that people ask for Moses to be the spokesman, God's prophet, but what about us? I mean, we're his siblings for a start. We were there when he was a kid. Let me tell you some stories about that. Surely God has given us some wisdom as well. There are ways in which we can inform how this nation should be living. We can bring about transformation. Is, is Moses really in a category by himself? Well, the Lord hears them. Um, just as an aside, on verse 3, now Moses was a very humble man, more, than, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. I really hope Moses didn't write that. <laughs> but Moses didn't let this unique category come to his head. His brothers and his sisters didn't like it, and they complained. But when they complained, the Lord heard. And so the Lord called them. We're going to skip down to verse 6. The Lord said, listen to my words. When there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. That's what the preacher to the Hebrews is quoting. He is faithful in all my house. With him, I speak face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? So the Lord responds to Miriam and Aaron and says, you're complaining that Moses is unique? Let me just tell you how unique he really is. Not only is he better than you two, but he is superior to every single spokesperson that will follow. He is superior to every single prophet that will follow. They will receive dreams and visions, those prophets. Uh, a less direct way of communication. But Moses, I meet him face to face. I have a direct communication with him. 
And that is exactly what happens. As the history of Israel pans out, prophets arrive, people speaking for God. But they don't have the same intimacy and directness that Moses had. And in fact, a lot of the things they say refer back to Moses. They say, oh, you know how God gave the law through Moses? Live up to that, respond to that, repent and live that way. Moses is in a whole different category. A category above the rest. And in fact, when Moses dies, it says, presumably again written by an editor rather than Moses himself, a comment says, now, since Moses, there hasn't been anyone who spoke with the Lord face to face. No prophet has arisen like him. Moses is on a whole different level. And then this nation, they come out of the desert and they move into the promised land. And as the season changes, again, they need guidance. They have the law that was given through Moses written down and they can refer to that. But in a new season of life, we need guidance. When your family circumstances change, when your job changes, when our nation changes, where do we go for guidance? And the Israelites ask this. They say, say, you know, what's going to happen when we get into the land? How do we get guidance? And actually, the Lord, through Moses, before he died, gave this message, Deuteronomy 18. For this is what you asked of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, let us not hear the voice of the Lord our God nor see this great fire anymore or we will die. So the people have asked for this special prophet. The Lord said to me, what they say is good. I will raise up for them, the people, a prophet like you, Moses, from among the fellow Israelites. And I will put my words in his mouth. He will tell them everything I command him. I myself will call to account anyone who does not listen to my words that the prophet speaks in my name. The Lord says, I will raise up a prophet like Moses. I will raise up a prophet who knows me face to face. I will raise up a prophet who can show you how to live as a renewed community of people. I will raise up a prophet. And so as the history of Israel pans out, people, as prophets arrive, say, could this be the one? Could this be the prophet? And 2,000 years ago, when Jesus of Nazareth walked into the, Middle East, of East, into the Middle East, the people start whispering, could this be the one? Could this be the prophet? The things he does astound us. And the way he teaches just seems to be divine. The things that he talks about, how we should be living our lives, seems to be bringing transformation on a whole different level. Because it's true. Jesus is the prophet. Jesus is the one who the Lord raised up like Moses. And that is exactly what the preacher to the Hebrews is saying. Jesus is like Moses. Like Moses, Jesus is in a whole different level. A category above the rest. He's categorically better. Jesus 
it isn't just better than everyone else, though. He's also a category above Moses. Verse 3. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses. You thought Moses was great. He was. Well, let me tell you about Jesus, because he is even better. He's a category above the rest. He's on a whole different level. You will never find another like Jesus. So how is Jesus on a whole different level? Well, uh, we get two reasons. First, verse 3. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was a house, but Jesus is the builder. Moses was part of the transformed community that the Lord was bringing about, but Jesus is the creator of that transformed community. Moses passed on the blueprints of how to live your life, how to live your relationships, how to uh, construct companies and exist in this world. Moses passed on the blueprints for a better world. But Jesus designed the blueprints. Jesus is the builder. Jesus built the universe. The preacher's already told us that God the Father, through his Son, created the universe. Every single good thing in your life is because of Jesus. Your money, your gifts, your circumstances, your passions, your family, your abilities, Jesus built them in you. And Jesus built you just the way he wants you. So you don't need to say, oh, I just, I just wish I was a different kind of person. I wish I had a different personality. I was more outgoing, more talkative, less talkative, more friendly. Jesus built you just the way he wants you. You don't have to say, oh, I, I wish I had more capacity to do things. I wish I had more energy. I wish I was more intelligent. Jesus built you just the way he wants you. Jesus knows what he's doing. Jesus is the builder. He brings about a whole new level of transformation because Jesus is on a whole new level. And he starts his transformation of the world through his church. Chris was talking about this last week, that Jesus builds us as living stones. Great sermon. Check it out online. Jesus builds his church, which means you have a role and your role is important. You can't build a house with one brick. So you don't need to look around and say, I wish I had that person's prayer life. I wish I had that person's understanding of the Bible. I wish I had that person's ability to draw a crowd. You have been gifted by God to do what he has called you to do. You have a unique role that other people cannot fulfill. Only you can fulfill. 
Jesus calls you in a unique way to make a difference on your street, to make a difference in your family, to make a difference in your friendships. Jesus built you just the way he wants you. Jesus builds with many bricks, building us all in different ways, but that together creates something incredible. You know, every single building you see in Nottingham is made of many bricks. Without those bricks, nothing would happen. Good comes not just when we're a brick by ourselves, but when we're a brick as part of the magnificent house that Jesus is building. And if the bricks move, that's a problem. As anyone who has owned a whole old house will tell you. The role of a brick is to do its part. If you put all the bricks in one place, it doesn't make a house. The bricks have to do their own individual jobs, and together they create something amazing. Your role is to be faithful with what God has given you the people that he has put in your life, the gifts that he has given you. Not to look over at someone else and say, oh, I wish I was like them. Not to look at yourself and say, oh, there's nothing good in me that I can do. Your role is to be faithful brick. Which doesn't sound very impressive. But actually, being a brick is more impressive than you think. Because together, bricks create buildings. And Jesus is the builder. So, where is Jesus calling you? For some of you, it's a specific area of the city, and your heart burns for Clifton, or you love the meadows. For some of you, it's a specific group of people, and you just want to see God move among the the, the disabled, or you care about the fact that so many elderly people are, are lonely, or you're outraged by the fact that refugees are being left in the lurch. For some of you, it's specific people. And right now, you're thinking of people that God has put in your life who you can make a difference to. That person you sit next to, that person you see on a Thursday, the guy from badminton. For some of you, Jesus is calling you to radical change and do something that seems crazy. Jesus is calling some of you to Newcastle. That's hard. That's scary. Give up everything you know here, your friendships, your relationships, everything good about Nottingham. Go to a different place. But you know what? If Jesus is calling you to Nottingham, the best thing to do is stay in Nottingham. If Jesus is calling you to Newcastle, the best thing to do is to go to Newcastle. It is safer to do what he says than to ignore him. For some of you, he's calling you to do, to do the same, to stay where you are, to persevere, which can be hard. Because sometimes the appeal of something new and exciting seems more fun and more, more worth it than just doing the same old thing. Jesus is calling you. What is he calling you to? He's calling you to take part in transformation on a whole different level. And that's possible 
Because Jesus is on a whole different level. Jesus is the builder. But Jesus is on a whole different level for another reason. Have a look at verse 5. Moses was, a faithful, was faithful as a servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the Son over God's house. Moses was a servant, but Jesus is the Son. Moses was in God's house, but Jesus is over God's house. This is what the preacher to the Hebrews has, has told us already. In fact, in his opening few sentences, uh, back in chapter 1, it says this. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets, of whom Moses was the number one, at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Moses brought about genuine revelation from God, truth that changed an entire nation. But Jesus brings about a far clearer revelation from God, a far clearer picture of who God is, and a far more dramatic picture of what it means to live as a renewed community, because Jesus is the Son. And that means we are his brothers. Being a Christian is about being in God's family. God as a father, Jesus as our older brother, and us in the family. And you know, chapter 2 tells us, he is not ashamed to call you his brother. He is not ashamed to call you his sister. He delights having you in this family. He delights sharing his goodness and his truth with you. He delights to transform you so that you can play your role in transforming the Nottingham around you. I'm a primary school teacher. And uh, one of the things that's tough about primary school teacher, apart from the children, sorry, standard teacher joke, one of the things that's tough about uh, being a primary school teacher is the workload. And I know there's lots of jobs that, that you know, phew, you feel that. You feel the to-do list weighing down on you. You feel the, the weight of everything that needs doing and the stress of living in the moment and not having enough time to do things. And, and um, in the past, in a, in a previous job, I've, I've had time off with stress and depression from my work. It's all just been too much and it's just caused me to, to shut down. Now, I started a new job back in September. And at first, started well, was looking positive, um, getting on well, keeping on top of things. But as the weeks went on, I got further and further behind. My list got bigger and bigger. And I got more and more exhausted by it. And the stress and the depression started to loom again. And it came to a point before Christmas where I actually drove to work and I just drove around the corner just outside and parked my car because I dreaded going in. I just couldn't quite face it. 
And you know, after about 20 minutes, I did. But I was sharing that with my home group. And uh, something happened there which changed the way that I went about my work. Now, there, there are lots of things that I could have done and did, maybe did try to do to try and make a difference. So, you know, YouTube, full of great stuff about how to get your to-do list done, which apps to use, which methods to use. Uh, cold showers, I found this out on YouTube as well. I, I, cold showers, amazing. I'm rubbish in the mornings, but if you jump in the shower, turn it right down, it has to be cold enough to take your breath away. Whole new person. All the morning people are like, what are you talking about? Anyone who's not a morning person is like, I'm going to try that. Maybe not. <gasps> Brilliant, really helpful. But although it did something about my depression and my anxiety, it was still there. So I shared with my home group that uh, I was going through some of this stuff and just asked for prayer, doing life together. And um, a lady there called Amy Thorpe, who many of you know, um, shared a word with me from Ephesians that talks about being renewed by having your minds transformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your minds. And shared that although transformation is something that Jesus does to us, it's something that we play an active part in. And off the back of that, I decided that instead of parking my car outside work and spending 15 minutes dreading going in, I would park outside work and I would read the scriptures, or I would pray, or I would listen to some worship music. And you know what? That has transformed the way that I go about my work. Because I want to bring renewal to the children that I work with. I want to bring justice in the classroom. I want, I want cl my classroom to be a safe, nurturing place that's fun. But my stress and my anxiety was weighing down on me and was making that harder. But you know what? Spending time, just a little bit of time with Jesus every morning meant that I was going into work. And although my to-do list hadn't changed, my attitude towards it had. Although there were still the stresses that came up, the way that I responded to those stresses was different because Jesus' spirit was in me changing me, transforming me. Jesus transforming me day by day. And, and it doesn't feel very supernatural. 15 minutes, you know, listen to a song, read some scripture. But there's something that over time, as that happens, I'm becoming a different person. And as a result, the Nottingham around me that I am trying to transform is being transformed. Because Jesus is at work. You know, Jesus wants to transform you. And Jesus wants to transform Nottingham and other communities through you. He is the builder. He knows how you work. He made you uniquely. And he has called you. And he has called you uniquely. Jesus has brought about the biggest transformation that the world has ever seen. What he did has rippled down through thousands of years and changed thousands of people across thousands of countries and thousands of cities. Jesus is changing this world. 
He wants to change you. And he wants to use you to change those around you. He can bring transformation on a whole different level because Jesus is on a whole different level.